Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. I am so happy that you're here coming back at you from my closet again. I am super fancy. Um, happy that you're here listening. So today I want to talk about the top three reasons why you might not be seeing the results that you want from your workout. If you are working out consistently, eating healthy, sleeping enough, and you still aren't seeing the results that you want, it could be for three reasons. I'm sure there are other things at play like hormones and mental health and nutritional stuff. But in this podcast, I want to talk about three common mistakes that I see that lead to either plateauing or feeling painful or tight or really not seeing the results that you'd expect for the amount of time that you're putting in to your workouts. All right, so let's start right in with reason number one. The first reason I see for people plateauing or not seeing the results that they want is overuse and or overtraining. These are two phenomena that many exercise enthusiasts fall victim to, and they can either cause plateauing results, regression, and often it causes pain and injury. Overuse and overtraining are similar, and I'll go through the signs and symptoms of both. Overuse is more local, meaning it affects more like one area of your body or muscle group, while overtraining is systemic, meaning it will affect your entire body. Both are detrimental to your fitness results and can be absolutely avoided with proper training and proper programming. So let's first discuss overuse, how it happens, the symptoms, and how it can be avoided. Overuse injuries can come with pain or without pain. Sometimes the symptoms are tightness, and if it gets bad enough, that tightness will eventually progress to pain. Overuse is one of the most common reasons for joint pain and plateauing results that I see in fitness enthusiasts, and I think this is because the fitness industry tells us that we have to do more in order to see results, and that's something that I discussed in detail in my very first podcast. So what is overuse? Overuse generally affects the tendons and are referred to as tendinopathies. Muscle attaches to bone via a tendon, and when a muscle contracts, it pulls on the tendon to ultimately move the joint. Although the tendon is a common place for inflammation to gather, I often see overuse injuries affecting other tissues around the tendon and causing inflammatory issues like bursitis. So it's not only the tendon that's affected, it's oftentimes really all of the tissues in that area. When muscles are contracted under a certain amount of load or repetition, they pull on the tendon causing micro damage in the tendon. In the right dose, this is a good thing. It stimulates regeneration in the collagen of the tendon, allowing to increase that tendon's thickness and resilience. When we have thicker, stronger tendons, we are more capable of tolerating force and load through our joints. Not only will this increase our muscle mass and improve our results, but we will improve our joint resilience and reduce the risk of injury. However, there is a window of tolerance that is unique to each individual based on their genetics, structure, how their bones are shaped, nutrition, age, and history. Ideally, You stimulate the tendon via muscular contraction with your resistance training workout enough to create an optimal level of stress that stimulates regrowth. When that stimulus exceeds the threshold that your body can handle, again, go back to episode number one where I go into this a little bit more in depth, your immune system becomes overwhelmed and this is where injury and pain and decreasing results occurs. Repetitive low magnitude forces often cause this to happen and inflammation, edema, edema means swelling and pain are often the end results. Essentially, when you have overuse, your immune system swells the area 
inhibits the connection from your brain to your muscles, reducing the muscle's ability to effectively contract. In other words, this inflammatory process that happens via overuse can cause the muscles to actually be weaker. And this is where many of my clients get confused. So let's say they work their glutes every day, so they assume they have strong glutes, which is a fair assumption. However, overuse from their glutes can trigger this inflammatory process, causing the above cascade, which will result in weakness of that muscle. If their glutes are weak due to chronic inflammation from overuse, but they are still doing exercises that require glute strength like lunges and squats, they will potentially compensate and further injure themselves. Overuse injuries can occur gradually due to chronic low-level stimulus, like lots of repetition, like riding a bike, or from fatiguing a muscle on consecutive days before it's had time to recover, or it can happen more acutely due to a sudden increase in duration or intensity of exercise or activity. So a good example of an overuse injury that can kind of happen more acutely or suddenly is shin splints. So if you've ever decided to start a running program without the proper training or easing in, you've probably experienced extremely uncomfortable sensations in the front side of your shin due to an overload of the tendons of your ankle and foot causing inflammation and pain on your shin. That is kind of a more concrete example that people can wrap their head around, but that can happen in any area of your body due to lots of overuse. So how do you know if you are at risk of an overuse injury? Here are three questions to ask yourself about your exercise routine. Number one, does my body hurt after exercise? And I know this sounds obvious, but I think so many people's bodies and their joints hurt after they work out and they think that that's a normal thing. And I'm here to tell you that's not a normal thing. So notice if you're consistently feeling achy or stiff or sluggish after your workouts. These could be signs of inflammation and overuse. There's a difference between feeling tired and fatigued in your muscles, like in the belly of the muscle, which is what we want and feeling achy in your joints. Joint achiness will oftentimes feel deeper and can even feel like a sharp twinge with movement. Number two, is there noticeable swelling around your joints, namely knees, ankles, wrists, and elbows? So you can actually feel for this puffiness around the joint lines where your elbow, wrist, knee kind of crease and bend. This can be a sign of edema or that swelling that I was talking about, which indicates an immune response to that area. So this puffiness is takes a little bit more of a trained eye, but sometimes you can like feel like literally like take your hand and around your wrist and kind of just gently palpate it and notice if you feel kind of like this puffy spongy feeling. And then the third thing to check is if you have areas of your body that are just like chronically always feeling tight and tightness is often the first sign of dysfunction in a tissue. Many people will feel chronically tight in their back, their wrists, their hip flexors, which can be a sign of overuse in those areas. And tightness is generally the warning sign to dysfunction, like I said, and can kind of be the precursor of pain or injury. So that's definitely something that you want to start to pay attention to. So these questions aren't foolproof, but just remember that if you're doing the same exercises or the same movement patterns every single day, it's likely you're suffering from some form of overuse. Okay, so repetitive movement patterns can cause overuse. And then we talked about how overuse can happen more acutely like shin splints. The third way it can happen is by fatiguing a muscle without at least two days or oftentimes more of recovery for that muscle. For example, if you are squatting 
with heavyweights multiple consecutive days a week, you're probably overusing muscles like your glutes and your lower back, and you will start to regress. Essentially, if you're getting to the point of total fatigue in one muscle group, it needs a couple of days or longer to recover before you work it again. The reason that this can inhibit progress is because muscle is built in recovery. If you're constantly re-engaging the inflammation cycle by working the same muscle groups before they have the chance to heal, you won't actually see the muscular improvements from your workouts that you could if you just allowed for proper recovery time. So the key to avoiding overuse and therefore seeing better results from the time that you're actually spending in your workouts is to number one, avoid doing similar movement patterns each day. Make sure that you're varying how you're moving and which joints you are stressing. And then number two, I really do recommend doing workout splits, working a different muscle group each day so that the former muscle group has time to recover and actually get stronger. So it's really just as simple as that. This often requires planning, but all this is planned out for you if you're an Evlo member so you don't have to worry about it because I am big on avoiding overuse. It is worth thinking about your programming and planning your workouts accordingly to make sure that you're not overusing your muscles because like I said, you will see better results if you take the time to plan it. So now let's talk about overtraining. And overuse is slightly different than overtraining, but you can actually suffer from both. So let's discuss what overtraining is and why it can lead to undesirable results. Overtraining is a systemic phenomenon that affects your entire system, including your immune system, your nervous system, your endocrine system, which is your hormones, and your musculoskeletal system, which is your muscles and your joints. Overtraining is different from overuse in that overuse is more specific, usually describing one area or one muscle group where overtraining affects the entire system or all of the systems in your body. So why does this happen? Why does working harder not always yield better results? Overtraining does not always yield better results. Again, I talked about this in my first episode, but it's worth reiterating. Working harder doesn't always yield results because you could be overwhelming your system. There is an optimal ratio of work to recovery, and it's (laughs) 50-50. Again, for those in the back, the optimal ratio of work to recovery is 50 to 50. Anything outside those parameters will not yield great results. To understand overtraining, we have to understand what happens in your body when you exercise. Results from exercise has to do with overload. So overload is the amount of stress or work that disrupts the equilibrium of your body to stimulate healing and thus create stronger tissues. Your body is adaptive. When it senses you're lifting something heavy frequently, it lays down more muscle to adapt to your routine. Another term for this is catabolic. Exercise is catabolic, meaning it breaks down tissues and your immune system comes in to repair those broken down tissues so that they're stronger the next time you lift the heavy thing. If you have too little stress or work or overload, you will not see results and you will regress. If you have too much stress or work or overload, you will not see results and you will regress. The ratio of work to recovery is 50-50. Exercising too little is one issue, but working out too much can be equally as harmful. Overtraining occurs when that ratio of work to recovery is off. When you're exercising too hard and working out too frequently without the proper recovery, cortisol accumulates. Your nervous system gets exhausted and your healing immune cells can't go in and do their magic to lay down new, stronger tissue, new, stronger muscle. So what part of your routine could be the culprit potentially to leading to this overtraining? 
Overtraining can happen when you have too many consecutive days of intense workouts. Many athletes suffer from overtraining and have to be careful not to train too intensely for too long because they'll actually begin to see their performance decline. But I also see this in fitness enthusiasts, not just athletes, especially for those who are kind of burning the candle at both ends by working out intensely every day, never giving their body a day off and not getting enough sleep. They think that they are doing something good for their bodies by working intensely every day when in reality, if they gave themselves a couple days off, varied the intensity of their workouts, and maybe even got an extra hour or two of sleep, they would actually see much better results and they'd probably be in less pain and tightness. And here's where I think the discrepancy is in the industry. You cannot rehab, yoga, meditate, stretch, foam roll, dry needle, whatever, your way out of overtraining and continue with the same intense workout regimen. It doesn't work like that. I often get asked, what can I do to make sure that I can keep up with this intense routine? And the answer is not to stretch more or meditate more or rehab more. The answer is to program better. So you have to change the intensity and or frequency of your workouts. There is no band-aid for a routine that is wearing down your system. You just have to shift your routine. I was thinking about this the other day because I often see on Instagram people using all these recovery tools to help aid in recovery. And I just think to myself every time I see that your immune system is your best recovery tool and it's not even close. So if you give your body the proper space for your immune system to do its magic, you won't have any of those issues. You'll start to see better muscular results. You won't be in such pain and tightness and all of that stuff. So how do you know you might be overtraining? Here are some symptoms of overtraining, but it highly varies from person to person. So you could be experiencing extreme and constant soreness. So you always kind of feel sore in a certain area of your body. Global, which means all over. So tightness all over your body or decreased range of motion, decreased speed, disrupted sleep, increased chronic pain, abnormal mood swings, depression, chronic fatigue. Not only can overtraining make your body feel like crap and give you potentially all of these symptoms, but your results will be worse. If your immune system is overworked and overwhelmed, it can't create stronger muscles and tissues. You can actually lose strength by overtraining. There's a reason that athletes really want to avoid overtraining. It's because their performance declines, right? So it should be the same for fitness enthusiasts. So reason number one for not seeing results, despite your consistency and your nutrition is tight, is overuse and overtraining. So reason number two is too much focus on cardio, like running or biking, and not enough focus on gaining muscle. Let's talk metabolism. I went into detail into this in my episode number two, in case you want to kind of go back and understand this on a deeper level. But the best way to increase your metabolism and create a body that burns more calories for you while you sleep is to gain muscle. One pound of muscle burns about 50 to 100 calories per day. That means if you gain more muscle, you will create a faster, better working metabolism. In episode two, I talk about how a focus on steady state cardio, like jogging or biking or walking alone without strength training can actually decrease your metabolism over time. So again, if you're interested in that and that kind of perks your interest, go back to episode two and check that out. In short, If you are focusing more on what you're burning in your workouts than what you're building, you will be frustrated with your results. Let me say that again. If you are more focused on what you're burning than what you're building, you will be frustrated with your results. 
We want to use our workouts to create a body that is a calorie burning machine rather than leaning on our workouts to burn off what we ate the day before. I'll steal this example from Doug Brignoli. It's like a car stuck in mud. So you're stuck in mud, you're trying to get out of the mud, you're flooring it, you're using all this gas, your wheels are spinning, you're expending energy, but the car isn't going anywhere. You're staying in the same place. A workout that is too focused on just expending energy and not on building muscle will be a workout that doesn't move you forward. It just kind of spins your wheels and you use some energy and you might kind of burn some fuel, but you're not actually setting yourself up for success for the long term. Not only does a routine that is more focused on cardio not move the needle for your metabolism, but it also places high repetition through your joints, which can encourage overuse injuries that I alluded to above. So you end up with the same metabolism and more wear and tear through your joints. So hear me say this. I am not saying you shouldn't do cardio, but I do believe that a focus on strength training is more sustainable and more effective. And then you can sprinkle in cardio here and there as you wish. In total, the amount of dedicated intense cardio I do is only like 20 minutes per week. That's it. I walk maybe a mile at the most, almost every day with my husband, but that's more just to kind of get outside and away from the screens. My focus is so much more on my resistance training and building muscle. We do two short cardio burst classes per week. They're only 15 minutes long, but you know, five of that 15 minutes is a warm up and a cool down. So really total cardio is 20 minutes a week. Okay. So just to summarize, Reason one why you might not be seeing results is overuse or and or overtraining. Reason two is focusing too much cardio and not enough on building muscle. And then reason number three you might not be seeing results is due to exercise selection. Not every exercise is created equal. Every exercise has a risk and reward profile. Some exercises have more reward and less risk. Those are the exercises you want to do the most frequently. Some exercises have a high risk and a high reward. Those are exercises you want to do sometimes, if ever. And of course, some exercises have a low reward and a high risk. Those are the exercises you ideally want to avoid altogether. And a podcast is coming soon more about those. I feel like there's this norm in the fitness industry where it's almost not okay to say that an exercise might be a higher risk than reward, and therefore it's not worth your time. Like I feel like People don't want to hear that and it's discouraged and people are almost afraid to kind of talk about exercises in that way. And I think that this encourages the idea that you can choose any exercise you want and not have consequences to your body. Although I don't think we should be afraid of any specific movement, I do think that not providing the physics information about certain exercises is doing my clients and my listeners a disservice. There are consequences to your joints during exercise and some have higher consequences than others. Some exercises have higher consequences to your joints than other exercises. I don't attach value to exercises. I try to peel back any attachment to a certain exercise and look at it really from an academic lens. And I don't intend to make anyone feel stupid or that their philosophy is bad. In fact, I'm always trying to prove myself wrong and evaluate exercises that I'm doing to see if it's something I want to continue doing and if maybe there could be a better way. So I'm not perfect and I want to make sure I'm always reiterating that It's never my intention to offend or attack anyone or anyone's philosophy. 
So just to kind of get that out of the way, let's get into exercise selection. There are so many things that go into exercise selection, and I plan to use this podcast to speak about those things in more detail. But today I want to talk about one facet of exercise selection, and it's this cool phenomenon called strength curves. Every muscle has a strength curve, meaning it is generally stronger when it is lengthened and weaker when it's shortened. This is like trying to launch a rubber band across the room. If you hold the rubber band at both ends, stretch it as far as it can go and let it go, it will launch to its furthest potential. It was able to generate enough force to shoot as far as it could because it was fully elongated. However, if you pinch the rubber band in the middle, stretch that portion and let it go, it won't go nearly as far because it couldn't generate as much force. And of course, if you pinch it really close together, stretch that segment as far as it can go and let it go, it will barely travel at all. So your muscles are really similar and your results from your workouts will be better when your exercises take this principle into account. Of course, there are a few exceptions that I'm not going to get into in this podcast, just too much. But overall, this concept can really change the game for you. So this is going to get a little nitty gritty, a little physics heavy, but you guys hang hang with me. I tend to think that my listeners are super educated and open-minded, so I think you guys will really like this concept. So in order to take advantage of this principle of loading in the strength curve, you want most of your exercises for a specific muscle group to be early phase loaded. This means the exercise feels the hardest when the muscle is the longest. Choosing exercises that early phase load your muscles will be the best and most effective way at developing muscle. And remember, muscle development leads to a better metabolism and a leaner body and healthier joints. So this is ultimately what we want from our workouts. An example of an exercise that is early phase loaded is a lunge. So a step back lunge. Let's say your right foot is forward, you're stepping your left foot back and then coming up to standing. A lunge is the hardest at the bottom of the movement when your hip and knee are fully bent. And as you come back up to standing, it feels easier and easier. This is because from a physics standpoint, what's called the moment arm or the magnification to the muscle is getting shorter as you are approaching the top of the movement. This is an example of an exercise that is efficient at loading the glutes. It's harder when the muscle is longer, the glute is longer when you're at the bottom of the movement, and easier when the muscle is shorter. The exercise gets easier as you come up to the top of the the movement as the muscle is getting shorter. There are exceptions to this, so please don't go assuming that every muscle operates in this way. And I won't get into the physics behind this principle because, again, it would be too much for one episode, but one example of an exercise where the lever is dangerously active and is susceptible to injuring injuring you is a pec fly, a dumbbell pec fly. So despite the fact that it's early phase loaded, it's still um, kind of more of a dangerous exercise for the pecs. So that's just one example. Where exercise becomes less efficient is when the muscle is loaded in the opposite way. This is called late phase loading. Late phase loading is less effective because there is little or no load when the muscle is longer and more able to generate force, and it's the hardest when the muscle is shorter and less capable of generating force. This is also where many people will compensate and get injured. This is because there is too much force to a muscle when it's at its quote-unquote weakest point. Examples of late phase loaded exercises are everywhere in the industry. If your workout consists mainly of these exercises, this could be a main reason why you aren't seeing results. You aren't taking advantage of your muscles in their strength curve and muscle development is less likely to occur. So here are a few examples of late phase loaded exercises. A standing lateral raise for the shoulders. 
a standing front raise for the shoulders, an overhead press, a tricep kickback, a donkey kick, a bridge, a hip thrust. Like cardio, sprinkling these exercises into your routine might not be a bad thing, but you won't see optimal results if your workouts are mostly late phase loaded instead of early phase loaded. Not only that, but late phase loaded exercises are generally at greater risk of creating joint injury and pain, especially when you're adding additional weight or resistance. All right, so I know that was a lot. If that went right over your head, it's okay. (laughs) We try to do early phase loaded exercises more often in Evlo. So if you're, again, if you're in my program, you don't have to worry about that. But just to summarize, we have three main reasons that you might not be seeing results from your workouts. Number one is overtraining and or overuse. Number two is too much focus on cardio and not enough on building muscle. And then number three, poor exercise selection with too many late phase loaded exercises. I know that a lot of this is a shift and I realize that. We are so used to feeling like we have to burn off what we eat in our workouts in order to create results, but it's so much more than that. That's why my clients are so surprised when they see better results from my workouts than they've ever seen and their joints feel better because we take all of these things into account and we focus on building your muscles from a very scientific way. So if you want to join us and you want to join Evlo, we do workouts Monday through Friday and they all stay recorded on the membership. You can check it out, evlofitness.com, E-V-L-O-Fitness.com. And boom, that's it. Another episode in the books. I hope you loved this and we will see you next week. Bye.